Hey everyone, it's Naomi Sneakus and welcome to the firecracker department. How's it going out there? How's your June almost July? Are you having a good time? What are you doing this summer? Are you one of those people that has to like plan a trip? Otherwise you'll find yourself in August going, oh, I didn't do anything. Um, are you gearing up for Canada Day? How do you gear up for Canada Day? I love that. I love this holiday. Um, do you do you find people? Do you find fireworks? Do you find burgers? Maybe find all three: burgers, fireworks, and people. That's a recipe for a good time. Uh, a couple years ago, maybe five years ago, I spent Canada Day by myself at the cottage, and uh, I just listened to Katie Lang's album "49th Parallel" uh, over and over and over again. And it was the best. It was just the best. I just had it going all the time, whether I was working outside or inside at night, and it was so lovely. That's one of those albums for me that is pretty close to perfection, every single song. Um, years later, I met Katie Lang, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I mean, who isn't? She's incredible. Um, sidebar, I, I remember seeing her on a breakfast um, talk show in Vancouver, and it was like six o'clock in the morning, and uh, I don't think six o'clock in the morning is easy for anybody to perform. But Katie Lang sang Hallelujah and gave her, like just gave her. It was so beautiful. It made me cry at six o'clock in the morning and it made me think, no matter when you're performing, you gotta give her. You can quote me on that. Anyway, so years later, I met her at this, um, at breakfast television here in Toronto. And uh, I said, you know, I just wanna let you know, um, I, I listened to your album non-stop on Canada Day and she said only on Canada Day which is a great response I'm a big fan and uh, Katie Lang if you're listening because I know you will I'm gonna be listening to your album again and I'm also gonna probably listen to it after Canada Day because that's how I listen to music I just go that's how I, do. I put something on like I have it on a playlist or something and then I just keep listening to it over and over again. What are you listening to these days? What's on your playlist? So do you have something that you're obsessed with? I had Cass Stevens going on for a while there. And then I had just songs that made me dance for a while. Cause I really, I just put that on the mu in the morning. I put on some dance music and it was like the best way to wake up. There was also um, a playlist in Spotify. I think it was called something like songs to sing to or sing along and they were all like songs, popular songs, that you all know the choruses to. So that's a really fun way to wake up. Um, the other thing I'm listening to is CBC's uh, new podcast called Someone Knows Something. It's really, 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 really good. If you, if you like crime stories, like if you like serial or um, true crime or any of those podcasts, you'll love this. It's also really Canadian. So it's a great snapshot into small town Ontario people and all the their color and glory they're just fantastic and they're so honest like that's one of the things I love about podcasts is that you know you take away the visual aspect and there's something so raw and authentic about people talking on the radio you just really hear their I don't know, you hear every little nuances anyway I love it and um, the host does a great job of uh, I can't remember his name, David something, but he does a great job of uh, telling the tale and um, 
releasing facts slowly and it's really, really good. So someone knows something. My guest today is the ever fabulous, ever energetic Tracy Dawson. You'll know Tracy Dawson from shows like Call Me Fitz with Jason Priestley or Girl vs. Monster on the Disney Channel or maybe from the Second City Days in Toronto. I feel like I don't even know if she drinks coffee, but but it, she is like a cup of coffee. Uh, she and I have known each other for a long time uh, through Second City and when I was in LA, I was like, you have to come over and be on my Firecracker Department podcast. So we had this great talk. Um, I don't think I edited anything out. I think I edited one part where the dog was barking too much or, you know, something that just kind of drives me crazy. But it's all in there and um, she's incredible. She She's one of those people for me, and I've, I say this in the inter interview, that can do anything because I see that she's doing anything. Like she just sold her first American sitcom uh, to um, TBS and now she's got another one in development with um, Jash with Megan Mullally from Will and Grace. What? I know. I love Megan Mullally. Uh, and she's, Megan's going to, Megan, like I know her, but she's going to uh, executive produce and direct the pilot. So, you know, if you're looking for a firecracker, you found it with Tracy Dawson. I really enjoyed speaking with her. I think she's, um, she's a dynamo. And uh, yeah, have a listen. Tracy Dawson. been here since for over a decade which is amazing wow, that is incredible it's is I think to myself oh my god I almost was gonna out my age and I was like I'm not gonna talk about my age no you so can but it's so stupid I want to I want to be so open and I and I go I'm afraid of people not my <laughs> real age that's just me being real I'll just be real but is that like a thing it's a thing everywhere. It's yeah. not just for people on camera. Here's the thing I think it's about age. It's a fucking thing everywhere. Is that it Are we swearing? More, yeah, you can swear. You can... I'm picking my fingers. It's something I do when I'm anxious. Oh, yeah. Put the skin somewhere. I usually... <laughs> I will I will usually get up okay. and, like, put it in the garbage because it's gross. Well... I'm not going to make a pile like I'm at home or something. All right. That's I, good. I think this will be a good part in the recording is hear me walking away. Yeah. It was a big piece of skin. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Here's the thing about age is that I think it means more to other people. That's why I don't talk about age a lot. It does make, it does. Well, guess what? Because if people have no idea how old you are and they make a decision, it's like that's their comfort level and I don't yeah. want to fuck with their comfort level. Right. You're just all about making I'm, other people comfortable. I'm actually not, but it's definitely... Uh, As she puts like a little piece of skin in the garbage. Think, <laughs> think I'm just going to shoot, I'm going to bite my nails and like spit them across I'm the okay ear. with that. Um, so I'm 10 not a biter. years ago. Yeah, te like 2006. Do you remember that? Do you remember that time of your life when you were like, I'm going to do this? Well, I got the green card a lot faster than I expected how to. And so, how like, fast did you do it months. as a... Um, what? Yeah, dude. I, like, I was... So, the... What was it called? Was it was a lottery system thing? The INS is what it used to be called, and now it's Homeland Security, right? It wasn't a lottery. I had a... A, 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 like a green card person that wasn't a lawyer. I hired someone that was really inexpensive. It was a Canadian who was down here. And I think that because INS was like, they were, my joke that I used to make is that they were taking the sign, the INS sign off the wall and just starting to put up Homeland Security and like my application. Right, like, right, they were right. like, what the? <laughs> right. But I, you know, that's making fun of myself as if I didn't put together a 
fucking great application. Right. And I think I was just really lucky timing-wise because I had done a fair amount of television. Yeah. I had press because of comedy stuff on stage. Mm -hmm. Like, I had press stuff. I had letters. Like, I had a really good thick package. That's what they say. Make a good thick package. Oh, yeah. And I have no idea. Like, because it was so long ago. It was 2005. I have no idea what it's like now. So anybody that's like, hey, I get some people once in a while. Like, can we, could I ask you questions like, you can ask me anything, but I honestly feel like I'm an old fogey who is not going to give you up-to-date information. Yeah. And I and, and it's like, I don't know anything about lawyers, because I didn't do it through a lawyer. Yeah. We put it in. It's miracle of miracles. Here's what I really believe, and this is going to sound goofy. I don't care. But I believe I was meant to be here. Because mm. when I showed up in L.A., I felt comfortable. Mm. I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to move to New York. I moved to New York 2003, 2004. I spent a year there. And I was convinced I was going to show up and be like, this is my town. Like, I was, you know, and I was like that yeah. in the beginning. And then that town beats the shit out of you. It's very, very hard, especially if you're poor, struggling, and... You know, I I was sort of known in Canada. It was just like nothing. Yeah. And um, so I went back to Toronto and I was like, that didn't work. And then I put together my green card application. And then I was like, well, I guess I'll go to L.A. and I'll see how it feels. And it felt really good. Yeah. And you came here as an actor. I did. I came, My green card was for, like, Alien of Extraordinary Ability yes, as, yes. A, as a performer. And I did not know that I was going to... That's the funny thing. I didn't know that things were going to go that the way that they've gone. I love defending myself when I say, what, what did you get a green card for? And I'm like, because I have extraordinary ability. Yeah, which because is, I'm extraordinary. Yeah, makes Duh, that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> and then the border people are like, oh, as you were. No. Oh, you mean like when you're crossing? Yeah, that's I thought not... you were talking about in bars. If people no. actually, you're like, because I'm extraordinary. <laughs> Nobody really talks to me about my green card in bars, but at the border they say, why do you have a green card? Yes. No, I don't think... I'm trying to think if anyone's been like, why do you have a green card? Maybe once, yeah. I think maybe once <laughs> or twice, and then they go, what have I seen you in? Yeah, yeah. Nobody um, likes that like, question. No. Why would anyone? But I always play nice, and I list off a couple things, because I just want to fucking go. Right. Let me go. <laughs> <laughs> so you came here as an actor. You came here, and you were like, ah, this feels good. Yeah, like in terms of energetically. Yeah. And I... But you didn't know anybody here. Like, Mary Pat was here. I knew Mary Pat, and... God, was there anybody else? There must have been. I mean, there were people, you know what there were? There were people that were going back and forth. They would come down for yeah. pilot season and they would stay at the Highland Gardens. Right, yeah. And what I did for the first year was I hopped around. I kept my apartment in Toronto and I hopped around from sublet to sublet because I got really good deals that way. Right. Like I would take two months because someone was just trying to finish their lease. And I would just hop around, and I stayed in all the neighborhoods, except for the valley. I stayed in all the neighborhoods of L.A. It yeah. was great. I was like, doot, doot, doot. That's me bopping around. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and then after a year, I was like, okay. I basically gave myself a buffer, like, do you want to do this? Yeah. And I was like, I like it here. I think that I found my people fairly soon. Like, I, I found out about some, like, reading series where people, like, put up pages, like, every Tuesday night. I think it was called Tuesdays at 9. Mm -hmm. And, like, I went, and it was, at a, like, above a bar. There was, like, like, a little black box above a bar. And people, writers would bring pages, and they would cast actors. And so all these yeah. actors and all these writers would descend on this place. And, like, I, you know, I think I 
someone cast me in something one night and I was really funny and then all of a sudden everyone likes you. Right. Because they're like, oh, she's great. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm great. And uh, yeah. and then I was like, I'm working on this play and they're like, bring in these pages. This and is the one you had back in Canada? Yeah. So that's, that's like, like... Them and Us? Them and Us. Yeah. And it was the first and only play I've written. I mean... Like real play, but did you Although. choose to write that play because you're like, I need to have a focus. I need something to do while I'm no. here. Like, why? What I, was the um, inspiration behind that play? Uh, I mentioned living in New York, so that year that I was in New York was so lonely, and it was so hard yeah. on my spirit that I started writing this play about. I didn't know. I didn't sit down and go, I'm writing a play about blank. But right. what I, you know, as I as I was doing it, I realized, oh fuck, I'm writing a play about people who are lonely who desperately want to connect and who can't right so it's about relationships and want you know wanting to connect and not being able to because new york is very lonely and even if you know people there which i did impossible to get together like everyone's go 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 everyone's like double booked constantly canceling plans on Mm -hmm. you i think la can be really lonely too i guess i don't like that's not been my experience yeah and i feel like that's part of the reason why i felt it's a different kind good of, here yeah like new york's busy and bustling and so to feel isolated lonely it's fairly isolating but here you know there's there's a lot of people that don't leave their homes in los angeles yeah. because a it's a car community but it's also hard to leave and do other things like you know you have one thing that you want to do that day and then that's it so i think some people get really lonely here i, I, I mean i moved here with matt so it's a different world but yeah i yeah. think that if i was single i think I think it can be challenging. I think what helped me was, like, I really did try to, like, p- push myself to, like, get out of my comfort zone and, like, going to that writing thing. Like, yeah. I, like, then, like, had a group. Yeah. And, like, they're not my group anymore. I don't see any of those people anymore. Right. But it really helped me sort of, like, have a place. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I think and you didn't have any, like, doubts, like, when you moved here, you're like, okay, that, I have to go back. Because you said you gave yourself a buffer of a year. I did. I didn't know I was giving myself a year. Right. Like I did. I was. I. I, I mean. It, I. I look back at things. I don't know if you're like this, but I look back and go, like, look what I did. Yeah. I do that all the time, <laughs> and I think it's really a good idea yeah. because it gives me self-esteem to remember who I am. Yeah. And that it was like, oh my God, you did that. Like you got your green card. Like almost like it happened yesterday. Good yeah. for you. You yeah. got your green card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like yeah. now, look, you're a citizen. Yeah. But um. I think that I just was like, I'm not sure how this is going to go, so I'm just going to keep my apartment back in Toronto. And then after that year, I was like, it's time for me to get my own apartment, like, and not sublet anymore. And I got rid of the apartment in Toronto. That was and really big. I just felt, I felt like I'm I'm doing this. Yeah. Doesn't mean there isn't like you know. I think Mary Pat or someone early on told me like. Living in L.A. is like a master class. I mean, I could be totally fucking that up, but it's something about, like, this is life. Like, this, like, you have to, like, you're going to have, like, ups and downs, but it's like, I feel like it's really happening here. That's the worst feeling to me, is that things aren't, that nothing is happening. You know, so it's like, you know, like, there's so much waiting in our industry, and there's so much, like, you're putting yourself out there, and you're not sure, and it's just like, it's hard on your spirit, but it's like, I don't know, if you feel like you're, I don't know if I'm making sense. No, no. Now I'm self-conscious. No, don't be. Well, I get it because I think that uh, I think that might be part of the loneliness of loneliness of this city is that you, you you dream, right? And when it doesn't happen, and I feel like in LA you have like the best and worst days almost every day. Like you have like a great meeting, but then you don't do that thing, or something great happens, and then you mess up on this thing. Like I feel like every day is highs and lows and extremes. 
Yeah, I'm trying to, in the last handful of years, take out the highs and lows, like, because I was a big high and low person, and, and really I want, like, more equilibrium, and so, you know, um, I, would, I wouldn't say that's a personality trait for you. <laughs> like, I would say Tracy Dawson, equilibrium, I think that you exist in, like, highs and lows. Well, maybe that's how it comes off, and maybe I have been that in the past, uh... You know, I just want more serenity in my life, and I want, and it's like, I really, I'm so different yeah. than I was when I was in Canada, uh, and when I was on, when I was performing as a, pr as a primary thing, like, like second my scene. needs, when I was in my 20s, yeah. was like, see me, you know, see me, because of my wounds and my, uh, that's basically, that could be the end of the sentence, because of my wounds, What period. kind of wounds did you have when you were 20? Well, just stuff from, like, you know, kid kiddom, where you're, like, you know, like, just the kind of stuff that makes, like, a lot of people go into the industry about, like, being seen and being heard and having the attention, having love, and not maybe feeling um, like you fit in or whatever. And, and so I think that when I was... It, it's just... It, when I started in comedy, I was like, yes, look mm -hmm. at me, look at me. And then as I'm getting older, I'm just like, I don't want people to really look at me anymore. But I'm still, what I've realized, I'm still naturally a funny person. And so I have to be like, that's okay. Like, you're not like y trying to use it to get something. Like, you can actually just be like comfortable and like, like I love taking meetings. But it, but I but I wrote a, a a show last year that the main character is a, a stand up right and so it was so great I got to write all this stand up again and I hadn't done it in so long and my friend said do you want to come do these jokes that you like you know I'll put you on this stand up show dude I was I mean I. I mean, I used to be someone that wanted to be on stage well, I and have people imagine. look at me. Yeah, I can't and imagine I... you not being on stage. To be honest, you're such a gregarious and like force. I remember seeing you I'm in like the Second a City. Person. And <laughs> do you think like twenty? So you've been here for twenty. So let's say twenty years ago, you were at Second City. It was 1998, so it's, we're coming up. Yeah. So at that Tracy Dawson. If you had told her, you're at one point not going to be interested in performing. No, that's insane. Right. That person would be like, you're insane. Uh, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about, which is what I told my parents when I was like, I'm going to do this for a living. And they were like, no. And I was like, no, you know. <laughs> Actually, you know. And I totally did exactly what I was going to do. And I love performing and I love being funny and I love... But there's something about the writing now. Like It just makes me feel more... Better. <laughs> I it's like if someone wanted me to do some like a show like on stage, it's really scary to me now. Interesting. Isn't that weird? I find that really really weird. Like when you said I'm not an, I'm not acting anymore. I uh, I mean I'm not against it. Listen, I still get calls from Canada, right? Like I still have reps in Canada. Mm. All right. So when when did it become more writing than actor? Was that Fitz time? Can I tell you when? This you... is existential for me because it's like. Because I feel just so, like I love getting an audition, mm -hmm. and I love prepping it, mm -hmm. and I'm good at it. And I can say that, just like, I'm good at being an actor. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, and I like that I um, do well in meetings. Like, I make people laugh. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Like, I get you give good meetings. It. But I give good meetings. Mm -hmm. I've always said that. No one else. I've never heard anyone say that. Maybe they do, and I just don't know anything. But, um... 
So I enjoy all of that. And if I had to be on set, I would thrive. Being live on stage, though, is totally different. And I know that you're saying you can't believe that because you, from, that, that from Second City oh days, God. you know, but yeah. I think that this is an interesting conversation because I think, what is your talent and your voice and mm-hmm. what is, you, like, psychological stuff that you're working out? Because, dude, there's a lot of people who are in comedy who are working something out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they don't have talent, but there is, like, a need. Laugh at me. Love me. Love me. Look at me. Right. So do you think that that need subsided for you and then you stopped being on stage and you started doing it through writing? I think so. I think, I, and, and I think so that I think that I'm healthy. I'm the healthiest I've ever been, mm-hmm. and I think the healthier I am, the less I need, like, like that kind of a validation. Right. Like I used to when I was pre-therapy, <laughs> pre-going oh, to therapy. It's not like you're the only person that's been in therapy. No, I know. <laughs> I just like you just drop it in, and like I just be so I'm self-conscious of everyone that's not in therapy going. Well, she's just gonna drop it in, which is like <laughs> it is a com- it's com- it's more common. Then I probably know. Yeah. But before therapy, um, oh, what was I going to say now? I'm old. Um, hold on. Mm, oh, I would go to a party, let's say, in my early to mid-20s. And I was, like, on, right? And I would be mm-hmm. making jokes, and I'd be, like, and, and if there was attractive men, I, I always was making fun of them. And I had all these ways that was, like... Like, and sometimes it would be, it would go well and mm-hmm. people would think she's so funny. Right. And then other times it wouldn't go well. And people are like, who is this insane person? And either way, whether it went well or not, whatever the evening went like, sometimes, most of the time I would go home and be like, I'm an empty shell because I just spent two hours at a place and didn't show anybody who I really am. Right. And I woke That's up. That's a hard to, existence. And right? I woke up to that, you know, 27, I started therapy and I started realizing I just want to, like, be who I am, and I want people to love and accept me as I am. And so when it's all tied up into what you're doing as a career yeah. and you're succeeding at it, it's a little it's a little heady, yeah. right? Yeah. Because I, if I think about 27 to now, like, a common big strong theme is that Tracy wants to be better. Like, I want to be healthy. I want to, I want to love people, and I want to accept love. And I've been on a like a, a journey yeah you know so yeah I do comedy I write I do, but it's like the life stuff is so big for me yeah so how did you like that seems like such a um didn't know I was gonna say all this did I you? love it I love it because I don't <laughs> think you're alone right I think that that's a really sure you're, you're obviously unique. somebody that's very self-aware and that that's part of your journey that you're like figuring yourself out and putting it into your art yes I'm certainly not unique. I just, yeah. I just think that there's, I think that there are many people out there from my past in Canada who have an idea of who a Tracy Dawson is, and that they don't know me at all. How does that sit with you? I don't like it because, well, I think I was <laughs> very misunderstood care, at Second City. Why do I care? Wait, wait. I what did you say? Why do you think? Why do you think you were misunderstood at Second City? Well, listen, we're going to get into it. All right. I don't know if we are. No, Second City, Second I mean, City, I was there I... for five years. How long were you at Second City for? One fucking year. Okay, but you, you know what? You can talk to anybody, and they might be there for one show. They might be yeah, there, yeah, yeah. and it all affects you. It's big. And Second City, like, I had a great experience there. I had not a everybody great did. experience. And you know what? Here's the thing. I love myself, and I think that um, there were times during Second City where... My, the attention that I got, 
my uh, my confidence, my uh, the the approval that I got, the the stuff I got in shows, the reviews I got. People didn't. Some people didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And I, there were some people that didn't like me. Now, I don't even know who those people were. But I remember going to the root, there's a stock room where they had the big headshots that went over the door. Yeah. And we went in there for something and mine was ripped in two. Like someone had gone in there and like ripped it. And I remember that being like a big moment because I was like, I'm not universally liked. Some people loved me and some people didn't. And I now, as the person that I am now looking back 20 years... I actually think, fuck, would that, would the, would the, would they've had those attitudes toward me if I was a guy. Oh, in so terms you think of it's what a gender thing. Well, think about it. Like, women, like, who are, it's like, if I was a guy and I was someone that, like, said whatever, like, because I said what I wanted mm-hmm. and, and I pitched things and I got things in and I got good attention and I got good reviews. And, okay, so why, like, maybe I did things that were, unlikable again I was pre-therapy so I'm sure I was uh, like whatever I wasn't like super super self-aware then Mm because I was like what was I 24 like I was so young right yeah and so like I'm just like would that would that person would would that person have had rubbed people the wrong way as much you know when you're a brash loud funny overconfident male comedian versus a female comedian. Dude, I don't know the answer, but I definitely questioned it because I used to look back and go, why didn't people, why didn't everybody love me? Like, why did some people not like me? And I'm just like, you know what? A lot of, you you can't please people. Uh, you can't please everyone. And um, I just was doing the best I could. And, and yeah, I just, my question comes to like, why did you care? Like, why would, because I, obviously, as actors, we all, we're on stage, we're, we want people to like us. That's, that's the job of an actor, right? They yeah. They applause or jobs or whatever it is. But there came a time for me that I was like, I'm never going to give somebody else the power to define me. So if somebody doesn't like me, that's up to them. I know who I am. And I'm good with that. Yeah. No, nobody at the time would have ever thought that it bothered me because I continued on and just, like, didn't let anybody get me down and had a great time there until I wasn't there anymore. But, but, um, well, why would you, because, because why would it bother me? Because I don't like to be thought ill of. But even, like, in retrospect, like, have you made peace with that time or is it still surface? I would say that I've mostly made peace because I look back at who I was and I was like, you were doing that, like, you know, you were having a great time and you were just being who you were and, and, you know, even in my, I think in my 20s, I was more like, fuck those people, more than I am now because Mm -hmm. I just don't like being ill thought of and and I and I a big core thing for me and look I'm working on it. It's like I don't like to be misunderstood. I don't like it. It's like itchy for me. It's like <laughs> allergies, you know, cuz it's like you you can if you see me exactly as I am and you're like, "Not for me." I go, "I di- I get it." Do you know what I mean? Cuz yeah. I'm not for everyone. That's my autobiography title. Tracy Dawson. No. Tracy Dawson not for everyone. I love it. <laughs> because that's the truth, Ruth. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to be nor should I be. You know, Sarah Silverman's not for everyone. Some people, "Oh my god, look at that big thing of hair I just pulled oh, yeah. out." Put that with a pile of other stuff. I'm going to go throw some shit out. But um <laughs> but but if I think I'm like if I think I'm misrepresented or misunderstood, it really yeah. gets me because then 
And listen, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I get it. I don't we know. If we co- I don't stuff. know if we covered everything there. We went on a little bit. All that's okay. I, I, but I do. I wonder, like, have you made made more peace with the misrepresentation that you're worried about as a writer as opposed to an actress? Yeah, I don't. I think I feel good about like everything in Los Angeles. I think that my weird shit is all about Canada. Is that right? Yes. So when you go back, is it all like... No, not at all. I mean, I'm making it sound like it's a thing. It's oh, more I like see. the past, like Second City and, and like, you know... Okay, I will say, I think it's... I think that people think, even people that maybe know me a little, but not well, well, people think, ah, here's Tracy Dawson, like, here's who, who she is. She's gregarious, she's this, she's that. People don't know that I there's mo- like I'm a hermit you know what I mean or, or I'm very very shy and anxious when I go to parties mm-hmm. like people will go let you act like it's just like I it's like I think that some people have a, a, a an impression of me that's not like full and that's probably true of every fucking person totally right and so I'm like I don't I don't dwell in that. I, I mean I'm talking about it right now. So yeah, I, I sound like I I'm dwelling. Think, but I don't I think that I think it's good to talk no, about it because I don't, I don't think you're be... alone with it. Like that's why I think this is an interesting discussion. Like to have. two things can live side by side. Yeah. I can be very shy and anxious person and very gregarious and like I travel I've I've done so many travels like all over the world like by myself mm-hmm. and I'll talk to people and I meet people and so that's part of me. And another part of me is like don't look at me, don't talk to me. Right. Like I don't want to get on stage anymore. No, I cannot. I like I'm terrified. Like so those things can live side by side and it's weird and that's I guess being a human <laughs> I think that's the end of the podcast oh is it oh do we wrap that up <laughs> um because when you got to Los Angeles did you feel more yourself here yes here's I felt myself here here's why and this was like from go, word go was um people didn't think I talked loud here in Canada, it was just like, I just was like, why are you so loud? Uh, p- people wouldn't think twice if you sent back your salad. Right. <laughs> if you actually ask for what you want and what you need. Right. If you're clear. If you're not happy with something at a restaurant, right? It's like people in Canada, like my dad would rather eat uncooked chicken. Yeah. Than send something back and say that it's not cooked properly. My mom picked out a, a, a actual screw out of uh, her meal once. And I went, oh my God, you got to send that back. She went... I'm going to put it next to the plate. If they notice it, then they'll do something. Oh, my God. That's great. That is hysterical. If I'll put it like it's the most passive aggressive. I love it. I love it. I I love it. it. That's something my dad would do. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not helping anyone. Now, did that serve you that kind of aggressive aggressive. for what you want? Did that serve you in the writer's room? Oh, I want to finish the question before I'm going to put my hairball right there. Um... (laughs) I'm this just, is like CSI Dawson over here. It's like a pile of my DNA. Yeah. It's for you. Thank you. I just give of myself. Um, so, like, I felt comfortable. Like, I just felt like... And I also felt like people here... I would walk down the street and they, and someone would go, nice glasses. Yeah. And, like, all these little things were huge for me when I got here because it was so opposite of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I felt like people looked at each other. And I felt like people... Like waiting for the elevator made chit chat, and it just it all added up really quickly to this is a warm place, literally warm, yeah, yeah. which made a really big. I I can't 
underestimate the impact of coming here and like not having seasonal affective disorder. Sure. Like my whole outlook changed. I was fucking in great shape. I was like, I had sun. I was walking and eating salads. And I was like, that's it. Yeah. Like it's so, and, and people were friendly. And I didn't feel that loneliness. I, I think that I just was like, I'm going to put myself out there. Like I'm going to do this. Yeah. And um, it was great. And it wasn't like, God, I don't know how I survived. I guess I was like a personal assistant. When you first got here? Yeah, like I did some nannying. Like, because it's like, you have to sort of, I mean, I did. I don't know what other people's experience. Some people move down and and they're like, they're success, like they're so successful coming out of Canada that they have like perfect representation and they're just like going. Right. And for me, it was like, I didn't have great representation when I first got down here and I hadn't gotten fits. You know, I was just, like, I had a great career, but it was, like, no one cared. Because it was, Mm -hmm. like, just people didn't care. Yeah. So, yeah. And then my play got done at Theatre Pass Mariah in Toronto. And I was going back and forth doing workshops, workshopping and stuff for a while. And then we did that. And I had a showmance on that show. Nice. And that broke up, blew up in my face. It was horrible heartbreak. Horrible. But from that, and this this has been like a theme of my life too, like from from t- from sad, dark feelings, like yeah. some great thing is written. Yeah. Some great thing. So great. Which was what? Well, I wrote my first TV script, which I then, because I poured all of it, I was just like, it was like, I don't even know if it was like, what does it mean? Like, I'll show him. You know what I mean? But part of you is like, I'll show him by yeah. writing something yeah. great. Yeah. But it was a, like a spec script of an existing show. Okay. Because. Which show? It was The New Adventures of Old Christine. Fantastic. Which I loved that show, and I liked choosing that one because everybody was writing, uh, what was the big show back in those days? Mm. I don't know. I don't think, Modern Family hadn't even started yet. I don't think yet. so, yeah. Whatever. They were, it was, they were 30 was, Rock, you know, yeah. people like choosing all the same shows. Yeah. And I was like, no one will pick this show, and I was right. Yeah. But I submitted that to the BAMP Festival. And then I won the, like, an Emerging TV Writer Award. Yeah. And so, like, you get, like, a pass, and they fly you up, and they put you there, and that changed everything. Right. So, basically, just sitting down, and I didn't know how to write a TV show, but, like, I read a book. Yeah. (laughs) The thing that I I didn't give myself credit for was, like, you know, when you're a comedian, you're writing all the time. You are writing. Sure. Yeah. But I would never call myself a writer back in those days. Never, never, never. Right. Because it was, like, who do you think you are? Uh, but we were. We were creating our material. That was the first thing that you've written? Is that spec script? Uh, the first TV thing that yeah. I wrote was that spec script of New Adventures of Old Christine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because this book by Ellen Sandler changed everything, the TV writer's workbook. And mm-hmm. what she does is she tells you how to write a spec of an existing show. Because back in the day, that's what all the samples yeah. were. And now they don't do that anymore. But then it was the tail end of them still doing that, right? Yeah. And so a friend of mine recommended that book. I read it. I just, like, absorbed it. I read it again. And then I was like, I'm just going to do exactly what she says. But, and, and, like, I watched New Adventures. I love the show. Yeah. And then I wrote this pretty funny episode. And I think the thing that I, you know, it's not, like, the greatest thing of all time, but I did nail one most important thing, and that is Julia Louis-Dreyfus's voice. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's because I had the benefit of being an actor before. Yeah. And so that's the most compliments that I get about stuff is dialogue, right. and I really think that that's the actor. And so, improviser, too. Like, you, you write on your feet constantly. I don't think of myself as an improviser. No. I think of you as an improviser. But you, I think that I've you done that, it. You had that in your makeup. Like, you spent time doing it, so it's somewhere in there. 
I really don't. It's like that's like me admitting finally that I was a writer. I don't think I'll ever admit that I that I'm an improviser. I love it, and I think I I think that if I, if you're on set, and there's all these just straight regular actors. Mm-hmm. And then there's me. Like, I would be the best improviser. Right, like, right. I'd be like, no, I can do this. Yeah. But, like, if I'm put in with the... I don't know. Maybe I'm putting feeling, myself down. Yeah, I have a feeling that you can do anything. Like, I like I don't think you're one of those people that goes, no, I can't do that. And even if somebody said, can you um, take apart this computer and put it back together again? You'll be like, all right, I'm going to get a book. I think you're projecting. Because no. I think that's you. But no, because <laughs> if you had to write... You wanted to write a spec script. So you're like, I'm going to get a book and I'm going to do it. A lot of people were like, I can't. I've never done that before. I'm not going to do it. I think that the truth is... And also, I would not take a part. If we took a a computer apart, it would not get put back together. All right. It would be in a box. Neither of us would do it. Let's just admit that. I'm fine with that. I do not not need to do it. First of all, not handy. No interest in, like, making curtains. Did you fucking make those? I did not. I I can, but I did not make these. These are beautiful. Very beautiful. Um, I thought my sure sewing is like don't look so closely at that sewing, that kind of stuff. That's how my makeup is. Yeah. Just I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm like a drag queen. Don't get close. No. Um, so with the script thing though is interesting because I didn't know how to write a TV script, but what you can't be taught, like I did have like there was some talent in there that I didn't know, right? right. And you don't know until you do <clears> it. Right. So I was just like, I'll just follow what this book says. But then it's like, oh, I I can write dialogue, I can write jokes. It's like in there. And it's like it was really a natural progression from like I wrote sketch, I wrote stand up care I wrote like characters, like alternative comedy, sure. right? Yeah. yeah. Then I did some Second City, like, um then I wrote the play. So it's like did it's you all write on uh, Gavin's show? Gavin Crawford show? I didn't write on that show. I acted on that show. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so I didn't know if it was going to work. Like, you know, I didn't know when I was writing that pilot if it was all going to work, right? Like, and then I was like, this is pretty funny. Like, I gave it to some people. I got some good feedback. And then I submitted it, and I got that thing. So getting that award at Banff. It kind of gave you the business card of, like, she's a writer. Yes. Right? I think I was able to own it by Claiming the title. And I'd written that play and had been produced by a real theater Mm -hmm. company, Mm -hmm. you know, even though that wasn't the most positive experience, and I don't really want to talk about it too much. You're like, oh, that's what I live for as a podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? No. I mean, you talk about what you want to talk about. I remember seeing the play. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, you love it. And I remember seeing you at the play and just... uh, just thinking you can do anything because I, I would know you as a, an actress of Second City and then I'm like, oh, now she's writing a play. Cut to, oh, now she's writing on Fitz. Like, I honestly think you're a fantastic plate spinner. Ah. So whether or not the experience was, was not as good as you wanted it to be, it was obviously worthwhile on some level because it was where you amazing. are now. It was amazing. I mean, even though it wasn't like everything I wanted it to be, like I go, oh, fuck, I'm so grateful. Like my play got produced. And, was like, that because amazing. you had the showmance in there? No. The showmance was, the showmance was like heartbreaking, but it was like great. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? You look back and you're like, it was great. Mm-hmm. And like he's got kids and with a new person, he's all good. But, um... <laughs> He's great. But, uh, and I hadn't figured out yet while I was doing that showmance that, like, almost every relationship was trying to work out my father issues. Right. And then I did, and I was like, oh, it's so clear now. Sorry. Um, But, yes, it was super fulfilling. And then going to Banff was like, I was there I was with all these other writers because there was, like, five of us who won. And, like, you know, instant, just out of water, mm-hmm. instant friends. It was mm-hmm. so nice. 
And we did like 14 meetings in two days, two and a half days or something. Oh it was crazy. Yeah, that's when you probably like honed your meeting skills. It was amazing and fun and delightful. And because of that award, I got, that's how I got the staff, the job on Fitz writing. Like literally, if you think about it, it's like because of the play, yeah. because of the showmance, yeah. because of the breakup, uh, New Adventures of Wilkerstein, Bamp, you know, Fitz. And then she's acting on Fitz, and then she's winning awards. Like it's just such a funny, like do 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 do, because it's like any of those things could have not happened. It's sure. just so funny. Were you the only woman in the writers' room at Fitz? No, it was right down the middle. Right, yeah. and Sherry was the showrunner. Right, creator, right, right, right. Female. Yeah. It was such a great treat to have a female creator showrunner for my first staff job. Yeah, you know, and it's not certainly not uh, as common as it should be. What do you think the benefits were of having like fifty fifty? One of the benefits was I didn't think about it. Right. One of the benefits was it wasn't even an issue. Yeah. It was just a reality. It's like, it's like I was born, like I lived in a home growing up where my mother didn't do any cooking. My dad did all the cooking. When I tell people that, they go, that's so weird and mm. interesting. And I go, but for me, it was like, I didn't, you know, it was never a thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't go, what's going on here? Because everything I see on TV, it just was dad did all the cooking. Right. So that's what it was like with Sherry. It was just like. Everybody was equal, right? And she was so strong. She was such a strong leader that it was like, it was a matriarchy. Yeah. And that was like, I like this. You know what I mean? Have you since been in writers' rooms that ha doesn't have that equality? Yes. And how is that to be in? Um. Even when there's like, sign even sometimes there's like, you have the numbers, but there, but if there's not a higher up. Right. Like if there's not a producer level or higher female. Yeah. Then it's not the, it's like not the greatest. Yeah. And like, I'm God, I just had a talk this week about a friend who walked off of a show in New York, like a staff. And I'm, I mean, I can't believe the stories that I just heard this week. 2017. Yeah. You know, you're like, what? But just because there was like inequality. S serious, and serious misogyny. Right you know, um, f fucked up shit yeah. going on. And, like, things just being said in the room, they're just not appropriate. Yeah. You know, like, like, uh, someone, like an actress. You know what's shocking, what I've realized as a writer? Because I've been an actress, that when you're in a room with people and none of them are actors, it's like, I didn't think that that would be a thing, but it is. You feel like you're playing two sides of the team because often writers' rooms, I shouldn't say this. I don't know if I should say it. But some writers' rooms I've been in. Not all. This yeah. is true. Some. Some. They talk about actors like they're these... Uh, like these creatures that right. they could never possibly understand. Right. And, and, and sometimes very judgmental because they don't understand the actor right. animal. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there going... I'm trying to be a translator. Like, no, 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 no. Like, like, some, like, like let's say someone watches an audition tape and they're like... I don't like the way she blah, blah, blah. And, and I go, oh, no, you could just give her direction. Right. Like, I know she can do that. Right. Like, and to say to someone that, like, how do you not know that? That you can give a direction to an actor and they can do it differently. Yeah. Is mind-boggling that someone doesn't just know that. Yeah. But that was good for me to see because, like, these are people that are pretty big and, you know, should, should know that by now. Yeah. It feels like you 
Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but you must bite your tongue a lot in writers' rooms because I feel like you need to be a showrunner. Like you're the person that's. Like, I need to be a showrunner, yeah. and I didn't know that until I got into rooms in America, and I didn't want it. I honestly, Naomi, I honestly was like, I just want to be a cog in the wheel. I just want to really? work. Yes, I just, I'm, I was. I'm not yeah. like that now. Yeah, yeah. But I was because I just was like. Oh my god, I'm a writer. Like I was so excited for this new like I'm writing on TV shows. Like it's just so great. And then I realized fuck this noise. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I want to do it like as much because I want to have a voice, but also like I want to do it like for the bigger picture in terms of the women's numbers need to be up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Cuz if it's like I have to realize uh, it's gonna sound so full of myself. But when people are like, you know, you have this thing that there's a responsibility with it, and I'm like, I want that responsibility. You know what I mean? Because I'm not a fucking cog, and so. But I only realized it while being in the room and then seeing shit go down in a way that I was like, mm, like I, what kind of shit went down that made you sit up? <sighs> well, first of all, there's the shit that happens to women in writers' rooms that I couldn't believe every single day. I would say that there was a significant amount of crying, and I was on a show with good people. Right. Good, nice people. People that had good relationships with their wives and husbands, like, that was fairly healthy. And even then, there was a lot of crying. Right. Because I'm someone that is not a wallflower, and yet I was being talked over, I was being interrupted. It was like women's voices in the rooms were almost on a decibel level that they weren't heard. Right. And I was like... I'm living in a cliche. Yeah, it picks away at you. Yeah, and I, you know, when you pitch something and nobody responds as if you haven't said it, literally like you haven't said anything, and then a few minutes later, a male person is pitching the same thing and it gets a good response. How do you not lose your mind? And I had to I be, start to be someone that was like, like some, all the all, other people, other women are not like this. I'm like this. I went, I just said that! Like, I, like, as I, because, like, I can't, are you kidding me? Yeah. One day, I wasn't feeling well. I had, like, some stomach or a headache thing. I wasn't feeling well, but I didn't want to call in sick. And I went to work, and I had so low energy that, like, I was talking in, like, a lower register and slower, like this. And they listened to every word I said. And so I, I just said, you know what? I have to realize... You know, it's not personal. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. But if you're going to, it's like, if, it's like, I would love it if everybody could be aware. I would love it if people who are good, progressive people could go, oh my God, yeah, there's something about the women's tenor voice that makes me think of my mom or my wife and I have learned to drown it out mm. or not pay attention to it or not think it's going to be a good idea. I mean, these, these like, it's like there was no like overt sexism in any of the rooms I've worked in, but the subtle stuff is just as mm-hmm. very hard and makes you go, what's happening here? Like, what's happening here? Yeah. And also, like, like, I had an idea of who I was and like the kind of presence I would be, and if I wasn't like having a good effect or like a strong enough effect in the room, I was like, what is happening? I thought I was pretty like... A, thought I had good jokes. Like, and now I'm questioning, like, am I even funny? Right. Like, I just was like, I felt, I've, I've definitely, like, 
you know, there's just stuff that just wouldn't go down if I was if if, if it was a female showrunner, like like people being interrupted or ideas being taken or yeah, not acknowledging stuff. But it was more than just that that made me want, like realize that like I want to be showrunner. It just was like. I guess it was just, like, realizing, like, how few female showrunners there are. And you're like, well, if everybody's not meant, like, made for that kind of work, but I feel like I am, like, I feel like it's your responsibility in a way because it's just, like, I want to lead a charge. Like, you know, yeah. I want, like, give me all the work. Yeah. And, but at first I didn't think I want, like, when people are like, you know, you have to know about budgets and schedules and you have to make this decision and that. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I'm clearly not having any babies. So let's <laughs> dive into the work. That might be your baby. Although Shonda Rhimes, man, she's having babies and running the world. How is she doing it? I haven't read the A book. lot of assistance. A lot of. Yeah. A lot of support. Yeah. I mean, anything's possible. If you want to have babies, my scripts are my babies, and I—you just made a joke, but the, it's like I really do. Like when I when I finish something and when I'm where it's like the pride, the joy. Yeah, it's amazing. This podcast is new to me. Like I don't have a journalism background. I just have a curiosity, but I also have a a will <laughs> and a need, right? I love it. I have a curiosity. I have a will, and I have a. But need. I got nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> but I have like a need for this to be something, and I think it's an important something. So when you talk about like, you know, women's, uh, women's like writer rooms where women aren't being heard, I'm like, well, what's our answer to that? What's my answer to that? How do I, like, I feel it and I see it and it drives me crazy. I see posters where they're like, like top comedians coming to you on Saturday night and it's all men. And yep. I'm like, that's not acceptable for anybody anymore. No. That's not acceptable for me as a woman. But as a man who's producing it, that shouldn't be acceptable that's, to you This as is well. what I think. Is that for me, it's like, look, you just said, what do we do about it? And there's also the question, what do we do about it in the moment when we're in the room? And also, what do we do about sure. it big picture in the industry? Great. And so, like, what do we do in the moment? I mean, well, honestly. Well, what you said, what you do. You go, yeah. hey. <laughs> well, or you, it's like, it sounds, it's sad. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. it's sad because it's women. Like this is our, this is like, this is like the history of women in terms of like, how do I navigate? Totally. Like, how do I do it gently? I do it. If there's a navigation. There's a, there's unfortunately a manipulation because guess what? We want to be heard. Right. And so it's like, how do we get our point across? Well, it's like, am I going to choose to use a different tenor of my voice like I did that day? Which is like fucked up. That that's a thing. But it's like, look, but that's I was tactical tight. communication. That's not, I don't think that's a gender specific thing. I think that's you going, how can I communicate as clearly and effectively as I want to be? It was clearly direct, clearly uh, had an impact because of the tone yeah. of my voice. But you know what? That could be, I don't, Listen. see, I think that's smart communication because if, if I was, that's like a director. It is smart, right? but it's fucked up because I should be able to talk in my shrillish female voice and still be heard and thought, wow, that's a funny joke pitch. Totally, but I have a feeling that that also exists with men who have shrill voices. Like, I think some men hmm. have had to learn how to tone their voices down. Well, that's fair, and I never thought about it. Like, I think that sometimes, like, it's like a director, right? I'm not going to, if I'm directing, I'm not going to speak to you the same way I speak to that person. Well, listen, but I'm making a joke about the shrill female voice, because yeah. this is my voice. This right. isn't shrill. No. But the thing is, it's female. You and also so, get, when you get excited and passionate, it yeah, probably but I don't. goes higher. Yeah, but, oh, you're, you don't you're, get you're, excited. No, I'm talking about in a room, just like in a writer's room, right. the way that everybody acts, everybody's talking the same way, but the female voices right. are, 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 
It's a really fucking weird thing, dude. And I'm telling you, I've witnessed it. No, I get it. And I've seen it too. It's almost like they don't, it's like they're, it's like a dog whistle. It's like, it's not heard. Yeah. And that's bizarre. And I think it is directly related to wives and mothers and relationships with women. Yeah. And that it's just a theory. And I know I'm not the only one that thinks that. So I know I'm not wrong. I can't no, hear I don't you. know. Okay. Uh, can you hear what I'm saying? Can you yeah. hear me now? <laughs> so you said in the moment you the adjust. Bigger, the bigger picture. I mean, what do you do in the in the bigger picture? Uh, well, first of all, male allies. Like I, we need the white men, white straight men. To be just as infuriated and to be our soldiers. Yeah. Like we need. It's we're, an awareness, right? We're not. We can't fight this all on our own. And that's exactly what's happening in the world right now. Intersectionality is where it's at. If we unite people of color, women, LGBT, like if all of the others unite, they can't fucking stop us. You know, and what what's great is having the white man soldiers, the white man soldiers who are fighting alongside of us, who when they look at that list of comedians go, that's fucked up. But unfortunately, their eyes are... I mean, it's it's a slow coming transition yeah. where they also are just as uncomfortable. Like, I'm uncomfortable when I see a huge billboard in Hollywood and there's a new movie and it's got four leads and they're all white. I literally can't believe it. But I wasn't that way five years ago. So I know that no. there's been a shift in me. And it's it makes me uncomfortable. I can't believe it. Do you think that has stepped up because of our recent election? No, because it's this has happened like, before. But the I feel election. like the awareness has stepped up for me. Like that that was yes, awareness maybe I with had, somebody. But now I've I'm been vocal. I've been so fucking loud about diversity for the last two years. Yeah. Like I'm like, my black friends are like, okay, like you like not okay, like stop, but like yeah. okay, we know that about you. Like you're fucking into it. Right. And like when I write things and when I like if I was programming something or like it's like it's so important that you know. I get my back up. Like yeah. I get I get it up and I think that that's something because I have white privilege, like I want that like I'm going to use that like where I can. Yes, maybe it's more and more visible like since the election, but I really for the last 2 years I think the whole diversity thing and like just like where are the sh- like where are the shows? Like where are the voices? And thank God, mm-hmm. you know, we have Fresh Off the Boat, we have Blackish, we have Insecure, we have Atlanta. Like things are like there's more people of color visibility than ever before, and uh, I don't know what the numbers are, but the numbers are still very, very bad for women and women of color directors, like behind the camera, and the writer's thing is just like ongoing fucking shit. No, I'm just saying it's not shit. It's just, I, uh, what's Eminem stand for? Oh, Matt and Matt, oh, 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 my, oh my God, like, I just had like a total like, who are they? Yeah. Does it light up? It does, it's like a little... Well, you show me um, after. I'll show you after. It's like Hollywood. Just like, really, it's just from Target. So it's, it's cute. Not, yeah, it's cute. Um, I love an ampersand. Who doesn't love a good ampersand, you know? Like, one of the things I think about that are that's inspiring is the tipping point for people. Like, when you're walking along, figuratively or act- actively, like, and you think, oh, I'm going to do something else in my life because this isn't working. And then something happens. Like, whether it's the Banff thing that happened for you that turned everything around, you became this powerhouse writing dynamo yeah or was it something like did you ever think you were going to give up on this no like it's all been sort of uh, weirdly seamless and uh uh like it was only when i was it was right before i got the fitz acting part i had uh, done the, the play and then i had gone to banff 
And then I got staffed as a writer on Fitz. And while I was staffed on Fitz, I thought, that's it. I'm moving the eggs into the writing basket and I feel good about it. Like, I was still acting. Like, yeah. it, like and I still, in 2012, I still got like a, a big part in like a like a, the villain in this big Disney yeah, movie. Yeah, the shit. monster, was the, it called? Yeah, the girl versus monster movie. Yeah. So it's like... So, but it was almost like I was like, I'm, I'm not, it wasn't like, I'm, d- I'm done with acting. But I was more like, I don't want to really put the energy there. I'm really, this is where I want to put my energy. I was excited. Yeah. And then they were like, and now you're ca- cast on Fitz. Well, I Which auditioned is- for that part. And I read for it going, why would, uh, like, uh, this is a waste of time for having any auditions because it's Tracy. Like, it was so your voice. Really? Yeah, like it was I wrote your... those signs. Yeah, that's I know you did. weird. But no, I knew that you'd written it, but... but I read it going, oh, this is her. Like, this is her wheelhouse. This is where she'll And I shine. wasn't... Guess what, though? I wasn't doing that. Like, I was writing... No, no, I know that, that you was didn't the assignment, think you were, Right? Because that's the assignment. But then but then one of the writers said... I don't know if you, you know this story. I but it was one of the writers um, said... It was uh, Adriana said... Uh, she was so like she was so like what about it like this she, Tracy should play this, and uh, I was like yeah. like I laughed because yeah. I was like I'm not putting those eggs in that basket, <laughs> and anyway no it made knew, sense to me knew, completely who knew and then you were fantastic in it you were award winning obviously Thank but like you. just even any anything that I saw you were just like just jumped off the screen it was fantastic well it was a great it was great fun great character and uh, it was you know. I enjoy doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, and you I, and Jason Priestley had a pretty great chemistry. I think we did. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he was, when I first started working with him, and we would be fighting, you know what I mean? But we'd be, like, close. Mm-hmm. There was some, there was some outtakes where I was like, I just get flustered because yeah. he's so attractive. <laughs> I was so like, you're my brother. Don't have well, fantasies. Well, there's that scene when you're dancing, that dancing yes, scene yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to dance with this hot little mama. I was mama. like, can we do another take? Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's so funny. He's a total cutie. So so that was a tip. Like, you see from the but outset, I don't, but I don't, I don't think, think I have a tipping had point. a dip. Like, I feel like you've just been going. No. Up. My career is like anybody's. It's feast and famine. It's feast and famine. It's feast and famine. Now, there have been some years where it's like feast, feast, feast you know, together, but, um, but there was no tipping, there's never been a tipping point, there's been days, like, like, thank God for friends in the business where you go, I'm, I'm just never going to work again, mm-hmm. and, like, you genuinely believe it, and, like, thank God you make calls to other people, and they go, I hear you, baby, like, mm-hmm. today this is you making the call, and next week it's going to be me, yeah. and you need to hold each other up, and just, like, hold space, and to go, I fucking get it, this is hard, Yeah. and, like, you know, my mother would just worry. She's such a worrier. And she'd be just like, oh, why did you, why do you do this? But, yeah. then, I, but then I would have some big success. And yeah. she'd go, oh, yeah. like she just yeah. hates worrying. And, and I have to remind myself, like, you know, I've been okay for many years. Like, I've, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, I'm not going anywhere. No. But you still have those days where you're scared. And you think, oh. But then I'm like. You I don't love have a it. I chose this. Yeah, you I chose have like. Oh, if this doesn't I, work, I'm going to become a thing. No. I have a fallback in that. I I I was talking to Mary Pat about this yesterday. I was like, you know, I'm at an age where I'm like, okay, like you mentioned, young Second City Tracy. Like, if you had told her, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, yeah. it's like if I had said, you know, I can take it or leave it. Back in my twenties, 
I would have been like, are you fucking kidding me? No, mm. I'm not going to take it or take this business or leave this business. I'm taking it. I'm mm-hmm. doing it. You know what I mean? Like, and I want to win. And now I'm like, I've, I, I just think, it's going to sound fucking goofy, but it's just like, there's so much of this planet I haven't seen. And I, it's like, I love those articles. Like, 15 top places in the world where you can get by on almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like move your life, like sublet your apartment in Los Angeles because you're going to get a good penny for it <laughs> and like go and like live your life. And, and it's like I, I flirt with those ideas all the time. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it like today, but I think like it's in there. It is in there because yeah. it's like there's no win or lose. Like I've won already. Yeah. Like I'm not, I don't, I'm like, I used to in my 20s, I needed to be a big star. I wanted to be a big star and I wanted to like, you know, show everybody, whoever everybody is, it's ridiculous. And now I'm just like, I want to be happy. And I want to like, honestly, like, I truly believe like we're on this fucking planet. We're in outer space, Naomi. Like we're in this, we're in space. Anyone that talks about ours, guess what? We're in space. We are in space. We're on this fucking planet. And there's so many amazing things. And if I get so caught up with working and being the best and like, I got to get ahead. It's like, I'm going to like, you know, I'm I'm never gonna be as young as I am right now. I, I it's like totally. I'm never gonna be as young as neither of us. By the way, this includes you. We're never gonna be as young as we are right in the second, right in this moment, doing this podcast. And it's like I really want to like see the world. Yeah. It sounds so goofy. No, because you went to India. A I went to years India. And it changed my life. No, and uh, but I also yes, I you know I sold a script last year. It was the best year of my life. What was that called? It was called uh, Jack and Diane. And sold that to TBS. That was incredible. Basically, like, you know, a year of, like, being in development and getting notes and doing rewrites and going to Palm Springs and sitting by the pool and doing another rewrite. And it was just, like, dream. It was, like, dream. Yeah. I'm holding up my hands really high in case people can see it because it was just, like, this is it. Like, this is great. And guess what? That pilot didn't get made, but it was still the best year of my life. You can't take that. You can't take that away from me. Well, as you said, it all builds to the next thing, right? Like your theater pass where I play that led to this, that, and the other. Like yeah. it all builds. And and like, you know, my people, my reps, they're like, I mean, this is just how it's going to keep going. And then you'll sell another one and then you'll make a pilot. It's just like, I guess I'm just, I just really enjoy the moment. Like it sounds like, again, like I'm fucking LA person. I enjoy the moment. <laughs> it's just like, I love what's happening. I, I mean, I'm lucky. I have projects. I have projects yeah. in development. So it's like, it's, it's like. That's what I need to like feel most sane is that like things are happening. Yeah, and you're not going hungry. Like you're no, you know you're making enough money that you can makes, live a lifestyle that makes you happy. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things are good. But when you said like I just want to be happy, what is that to you? Hmm. Like I I love working so much that it's tied up into my happiness. I know. I really love writing, and I love that so much too but I think that I've really started to realize that I could be happy without it and that now that is something that I'm saying to you today on this couch and maybe I would go you know what I'm going to take a break from the business and I don't really care and I'm going to go to Italy and I'm going to get an Airbnb for six months or whatever it is I don't know if there would come a time where I was like like I'm like probably I'd be over there and I would write something pretty fucking fantastic yeah. because I'd just be like I yeah. don't care yeah so I love that there's no, like, I love flexibility. I think me, several years ago, I had more rigidity. Things had to look a certain way and they had to be a certain way and I had to succeed. And, and I just, I'm embracing the last couple of years flexibility. 
No one. I mean, no one is a crystal ball. And I couldn't have guessed that this is what the journey was going to look like, right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't have guessed that I would sell a TV show that I wrote. I mean, I think back but and even I go, in your, like, it's amazing. In your young Tracy Dawson, 2019-year-old Tracy Dawson, like you had high expectations. Yes. Like, did you know in your brain going, I'm going to be the lead in a this, and I'm going to probably sell a this. And I wanted to be on Broadway. Broadway. I mean, Barbara <laughs> was the was the um, the pinnacle, right? Barbara Streisand was, and she was on Broadway at 19. So when I was 19 and not on Broadway, I had failed. Right. It was oh, on, my God. It was, it was shitty. That's because a I was lot like, to shoulder. Fuck this world. Uh, a little bit. Like, I went to York University, and I was in the theater program, and... I just was like, I know everything already. Like, I dropped out because I was so bored. I just wanted to get going. And I did. And, you know, it's interesting to hear you say some of the things you say to me. Like, you know, like, you just go up and up and up. Or you could do anything. Like, even just these little phrases, I'm like, I'm like, what? I just, it's funny. Like, we don't think, nobody thinks that way about themselves. Nobody does. Like, even the most successful people, if they were, like, Kate Blanchett was sitting here opposite you and you would say, oh, blah, 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 she would go, she, I, I mean, if she did go, you're right, then she's a psycho, you know. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, when I ask you, like, what were the, the times that where you had a dip and you were like, there were no dips, like, things just kept progressing. I didn't say that. Well, remember I asked you, I said, was there a tipping point where you're like, I can't no, do this No, I said anymore. there was no tipping point, I mean, oh. but there were many, 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 many dips. But what you I never, mean, tipping point? It like never I, dipped I would, so much that you were like, I can't do this. No. See, I think that's crucial to recognize because I think that most artists find themselves in a time when they're like, I can't, I can't keep picking myself okay, up. Okay, I'm going to tell you something that's going to maybe sound stupid or crazy or egotistical. But here's the thing, and I've shared this with my, my closest friends, and that is I, <laughs> I almost want to close my eyes when I say it. I've always known, like, I've got it. I've got something, okay? The worst feeling for me is knowing that you got something and that and you're not booking something or doing this or someone's recognizing it because I'm like, I know I have it. And so that's crazy making. Like we were talking about crazy making shit before. It's like I would say, I know I have it. I have the great meetings. I have the great auditions. Like why? And so it's, it's, it's really, really important when I do book the Call Me Fits thing and I win an award, like to take that moment and look at it with clear eyes and go, it's happened. Something great happened. This is great. You deserved this. Do you know what I mean? And not go like, what else? It's like, no, this is great. Right. And like selling a show, like that makes sense. It's like, it's like when something makes sense, I worked really, really hard. I wrote something great and someone bought it. Like when that equation works out, you're like, thank you. It's like more fulfilling than selling the thing itself. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like it. It's like the equation makes sense. We're living in a world that makes sense. We're living in a world right now, by the way, that does not make sense. Like Trump and everything like that is crazy making on a daily basis, 24-7. Nothing makes sense. So when you put hard work into something and you're good at it and you think, I'm good at this. And then someone's like, you're good at this. You're like, oh, my God. Like, it makes sense. I don't know if that made sense, what I just said. <laughs> but, like, yeah. what, it's like, so, so, like, um, so I've never had a doubt about doing it because I, yeah. I'm, like, I've got it. But I have had doubts, like, oh, my God, what if I live in a world where it's never recognized and I don't fulfill my, um, What's went fulfill my uh, 
not my expectation, my potential. What what if I live in that world? Like to me, that's the most tragic world. But it doesn't mean that it has to be a big audience. It doesn't mean it has to be worldwide. It's really like, did someone? Did you do something? And someone went, that's great. You know what I mean? Like I got to do a musical with Andrew Lloyd Webber. You know. I got to be in that Disney movie and fly on a green screen and like be Wasn't the it villain. Was a musical with Andrew Lloyd Webber? Yeah. Which one? The Boys in the Photograph. That was Andrew Lloyd Webber. I did not know that. We did that in Winnipeg. And what's funny is I was doing that musical like, okay, so here's how it went. Did my play, right? Yes. And then went home, got broken up with, heartbroken, started writing this thing, uh, sent the play to Banff to be adjudicated, right? Flew to Winnipeg to do a musical with Ben Elton and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Then, oh, you got into Banff. So the, so I'm like, uh, I'm I'm an actor. I'm a writer. I'm a playwright. Yeah. I'm a musical so person. So you understand where I come from when I say, I think you can do anything? But I can't, anything is a big statement. <laughs> I don't think you're one to turn turn away from a challenge. But I, I, mean, I, I maybe I use the I computer as a bad example. I think I'm re- yeah, that computer was terrible. Uh, I think I can do it. I really like. Uh, I think I think if I'm honest, I'm like, I can sing and I love it. I think I can do comedy, and I think I'm a good writer. I I think I'm an. I think there's times where I'm like I'm a good actor, and then other times I'm like oof, I am like. But I'm isn't like it interesting that you put think before like you just said. I am a good singer, and I love it. And then you went, I think I'm a good comedian. I think I'm a good writer. Like, why do we have the think in there? Because I'm probably worried about what I'm going to sound like on your podcast. Because, like, you know what's funny is, I I, like, you mentioned, oh, God. I just, it's like, I think about who's going to listen to this, and I think, oh, there's going to be people that, like, think that they know me. It's like, why do I care? I know, I know. Why do I care what people think? It's like, like, why would you let somebody, like, if you know who you are, which I, you I know think what I wanted we to make. Are we always learning, right? Like I think I know who I am today, but I'm up for learning more. I know who I am, and I think I have a core group of people in my life who truly know me and know that I'm a sweet. I'm actually a very sweet, sensitive person. But I think there's a whole bunch of people who don't know that I'm a sweet, sensitive person in Canada. <laughs> and I think I, I think I'm always going to have a complex about my home country. And also, like, I won two acting awards, like, and, like, I didn't get a single audition afterwards. Like, nothing, nothing happened to my career because of those awards, right. by the way. And, like, n- like uh, no, yeah. I sold a TV show to an American network. No one's asking me to come and work on shows. Actually, I had one television show in Canada uh, ask for something. And then they were, like, they asked me if I was a member of the guild here. And they were, like, oh, we can't afford to pay, you know, we can't afford to, like, pay on par. And they wouldn't even, like... Yeah. So, like, I just feel like, you know, and let's be honest, it's probably, like, familial issues about, like, not feeling appreciated and fully seen yeah. by my country, yeah. you know, and just being, like, you know, I'm not, like, I can't be blasé about it. I wish I was. I wish I was, like, oh, you know what, everything's cool. But it's just, like, no, there's a part of you that, like, wants your home country to be, like, um, I don't know, love and appreciate you. I don't and think awards, that's extraordinary. And awards are not enough. I want money. <laughs> are you? Are you uh, do you have siblings? Yes, I have a brother. And how's that dynamics? Is it like growing up with a brother, older? Yeah. So that was your way. Was like da 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 da. Tracy does. Yeah. It was like who's? How are you gonna get your needs met? Right. And I was like the song and dance funny, and he was the perpetually in trouble, getting kicked out of places and smoking pot and right, and and. Yeah, I have a complicated relationship with my brother. Yeah, I love him very much, but 
I feel like I wish that we were best friends. And right. I need to just let go of that expectation. Like, that's where suffering comes in. It's like, like I have, like, un- unrealistic expectations. So who's causing the suffering? Me. It's all yeah. me. But that reverberates into this Canadian, um, the need from Canada, too. 100%. Right? Like, if we can just... And by the way, I'm peace. talking about it right now because I'm talking to you. Yeah. But I don't think about it on it. Like, I don't think about... I don't wake up and think, Canada. Like, no, but I'm we're not. also, like, doing a memory lane discussion. So and memory so, lane. Yeah. Yes. Looking back to those days. and Yeah. So, okay. So, advi- advice? Advice to people that are in this position that want to do what you're doing? Um... Writers? Yeah. Um, it's it's just an impossible... Okay, I'll, I'll just tell an anecdote. Love it. So I had a, a, a woman uh, come to... Who was cl- going to clean my apartment. <laughs> fancy. Love it. So fancy. Um, and I left. And when I came back, like, I had, like, these playbills. Like, you know, I yeah. love saving my playbills from Broadway. And so I had my playbills. And I had my awards out who wouldn't and so she was like are you uh you know one to ask me questions and and I was like oh yeah yeah and then she goes um my daughter blah 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 and she goes my daughter da, 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 da. I'm not gonna it doesn't matter what she said but something about her daughter and I don't know what to say to her I don't know what to I mean I don't know da, 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 but she really wants to blah 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 and I was straight face 100% serious I was like you should tell her it's a terrible idea and that she shouldn't do it and then if there's anything else that she's at all interested in, that's a way better idea. And she looked at me like I was a monster. <laughs> she was like, she couldn't believe it because she thought I was going to be like, give her some like warm advice or whatever. But I was like, literal, and I said to her, you know why that's the best advice and things you could say to her? Because my parents said all the things to make me not do it. And no one could have said fucking shit all. Yeah. That, those are the people that should be doing it. Is that you could say all the things you want. And they're like, I don't care, I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. And like, and maybe that's, like, I'm not saying I'm 100% right, but I, that was my experience. My, I said, I'm doing this. And my, and my parents were like, no, you should go to journalism school, you're a great writer. And I was like, that's stupid. And also, by the way, journalism, guess how well that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> the newspapers are thriving. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just felt like. I mean, my parents did, like, they put me in dance class. They put me in drama class. They weren't yeah. like, no! They supported but you. But when I wanted, but that was when I was a child. Right. But when I was like, I'm doing this for a living, then they were like, what? Yeah. And, uh, but, like, nothing was going to stop me. So that's not really advice. That doesn't answer your question. But I do like that because, you know, when I went to university, you know, the first year, um, the one of the guys that was like stagecraft one oh one or whatever, he was he always his big speech every year and he was just like those of you who are here, if there's anything else, just like what I said to her, right? Yeah. That you enjoy even remotely, leave now. It's what you should be doing. And some people were horrified. Yeah. And I was like, fuck this guy. Like I he it was just like I knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. It's a, at a young age, just like no one's gonna tell me, you know, in terms of advice for people who want to do um, I I don't I'm terrible at this because I just don't know. It's it's weird like, how it all happened. What would be right? your advice that you gave yourself, maybe like at eighteen, nineteen? You're not too much. Don't fucking listen to them. <laughs> I wanted to have a T-shirt in my early twenties that said, "I'm not scary. You're a coward." 
Because people made me feel like I was too much. Oh my god, we're gonna get weepy now. That's that's um that's a great lesson. I mean, it's. I think that um, people did think I was too much, but I think that they were just thrown off. Like I don't, I don't think that I was too much, but I, uh, but I did, but it didn't break me. Like it really, like I just kept doing my thing, even when, like you know, the sketch troupe that I was in wanted to break up with me. Like I got, you know, like I got rave reviews at Second City. It's just like. I can't, like, you know, what, should I, should I be smaller for you so that you're more comfortable? Thank God I never was that person. Because there are women like that. If I shrink myself, then I can make you feel more comfortable with me. And I'm like, thank God that wasn't what I did. I became more brash and did that thing at the party because I was afraid of being who mm -hmm. I was. So I know I'll do more. And I think that that was a way of pr pushing people away so I didn't have to have intimacy. Right. And now I want intimacy. And so you're lowering your timber. Yeah, I'm talking in a lower voice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I should make that t-shirt. I've, well, I've talked about it for 20 years. I'm not scary or a coward. It's not as cool seeming as it was when I was 23. Uh, I think those are really good t-shirts to make. I really enjoy talking with you. I don't even care that there's like, I just, uh, I'm glad to have an excuse to talk with you. Because we probably wouldn't have done this otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea, like, I wouldn't have known that you thought those things about me. Like, I don't think people think of me at all. And not in, like, a low self-esteem way. Like, it's amazing to me, like, when people send me random messages, like, from, like, like old friends, like, from Canada or whatever, and say stuff. It's like, oh, like, whatever they might say about something my work or my something, my talent, I guess is what I'm afraid to say. And you're like, oh my God, they think that of me. Like, it's just, I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't think I should think about that on a, on a daily basis, but it's funny because I don't, like, I don't know that, I don't know what I'm trying to say. No. Like, I don't, I didn't know that you wanted to have this conversation, like, that you would just want to sit and talk with me. Like, that's nice. Does that make sense? Yeah, well. But we don't know. We don't know anything. Yeah, we're, we're all learning, like. I think, like, you know, early on in this discussion, you said something about not, you know, the, the horror about being under, misunderstood. Oh, but my nightmare. But I think we put out what we put out, and everybody can do with that information as they will. Yeah, I think that now. Yeah. I believe that now. I, there's a great saying, it's, uh, what other people think of me is none of my business. It's like <laughs> the fucking greatest. That's very good. Because it doesn't mean I still don't have moments. I do... Sure, we're human. I, I think that part of my core, like, thing that I will, like, take a long time to work on is that injustice and misunderstanding really gets me. And not even just for me. Like, injustice in the world oh, makes me crazy on a level that's, you know, and that could be injustice, like, in the parking lot at Trader Joe's. I go, like, oh, no! Like, it's, but I, but it's, like, <laughs> I, I learn that, like, what other people think of me is not my business. And, like, I'm working and have worked for decades like on um having unconditional love for myself like it's nobody else's job to make me feel better and it's not my job to make anyone else feel better and so right so, so a woman that thinks like, that is a woman I want to talk to right like a woman that has sold a script and has persevered and has found whatever it takes 
from inside to put onto a script that then becomes something. I want to find out how that happened. Did you find anything out about how that happened? So many more questions, Tracy. I have so many follow-up questions. Are we over an hour? <laughs> yeah, but that's okay, too. What are your follow-up questions? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Like, oh. I think that there will oh, be, God. like, I want to do, because I think this scrapes, like, I think this scrapes the surface for me. Because I go, oh, I didn't know that. And there's so much about you that I still have questions about. And there's but, so much I didn't tell you. Right? Because I'm like, off I'm, the not record. Going, I'm not going there. Yeah, well, that's an off the record yeah. discussion. Yes. We'll turn this off and then it'll be like, okay, tell me the real story. <laughs> There's a whole other story. I just lied for an hour. Oh my God, good lie. No. Yeah, I'm such a good actress. I shouldn't lie. I'm a great actress. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, okay, my final question is, uh, is anything um, that you're reading or you're watching or you're listening to that's inspiring for you? I sort of like past the inspiration. Game. I keep listening to this song uh, over and over again. Uh, that was in an episode of Big Little Lies. Did you watch Big Little Lies? I did, and it didn't. It didn't, didn't love work it for me. No. Um, uh, well, the music in that show was yeah. really phenomenally. Yeah, used. I've heard that. And one of the songs was a Martha Wainwright song called uh, "Bloody Motherfucking Asshole." Okay. And that song is fucking amazing. And I just have it on loop. And it really gives me, like, there's a part in it that says, uh, I will not pre- I, I will not pretend, I will not put on a smile, I will not say I'm alright for you. And I'm like, I will not pretend, I will not put on a smile, I will not say I'm alright for you. And I'm like, ugh. And I just find it really, you know, I want... You know, I want to explore real things in my writing. I want to be honest. I want to talk about women. I want women to be whoever they want to fucking be. You know, so that's inspiring. Um, I'm reading my first Pema Chodron book. Okay. When Things Fall Apart. Yeah. And, like, things are not falling apart for me, but I love that title. Yeah. And it's great, great, great. Yeah. And she's a Buddhist, and, and it's my fr- and a lot of people know about her already, and, like, it's, a, and I'm new to her. Yeah. And that's a great book. And I heard about it on a podcast <laughs> with Pete Holmes and Sarah Silverman, so that was funny. And I'm also reading Bad Feminist by okay. Roxane Gay. Yeah. Because I've put together for my first little bad feminist, like, little book club with some friends, and we're all reading it. And I know that book clubs, like, I was like, I've never been down for that. Yeah. Like, I know you have your crafting thing, and I'm not a crafty Big person. Ten. Well, it doesn't necessarily have... Yeah. It's no, a, I know. It's an I'm opportunity just saying, to come together. That's listen, what I love about it. Listen, and I, and, and I one like... One day we'll do a book club in the craft aft. Like, one will be like, this month we're actually going to read a book. Yes. That'd be fun. That's a great idea. And I love reading, and I love a reason to read, because I sometimes I'm like, all I read is scripts. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading a couple books and, but what am I watching? What's my favorite, favorite watching, watching? Well, The Americans is my favorite show and it's back up and Catastrophe just, the new episode just started and it's just like, you know, a work of perfection. Mm -hmm. Catastrophe, The Americans, um... I feel like there should be, we'll do like a uh, firecracker podcast of like... All the books that people are recommending, so people when they need like a book list, they can let go and like be like, "What do I need?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's so much more that I'm watching that I'm just like forgetting. But the Americans and catastrophe are a great thing. And if anybody is listening to this and they haven't watched the 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 show Rectify in its entirety because it's done now, yeah. But go and find it. It's absolutely I haven't seen beautiful, brilliant, slow. Unlike anything you've ever seen, 
amazing. It's not even filmmaking. It's television making. It's just great. And there's a wonderful Canadian, my friend Luke Kirby is in it. Oh, right. And he's beautiful. He's amazing. He's a beautiful genius. Yeah, right? He was in, um, oh no, oh no, what was that? Mambo Italiano. He was in what? that. No, it was a Sarah Pauli. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, what was it called? It, Matt was in it, and he got a knife, and it says, uh, Last Waltz. Last Waltz. The Last Waltz. And he was, and he was beautiful in that. He, so they are both beautiful in it, and it was also very sexy so scene. So sexy. Yeah. What character was Matt? Matt was in the family scene. It was a, like, he... And Silverman was there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he met her. <sighs> All right. I hope I, I hope I said How something. How do you feel? Okay. How do I feel? I feel like I hope that I made sense and that I said something remotely okay. And uh, it's lovely just to talk to you. I think I'll just take it for what that is, which is it's great to hang out and chat. about. And that was Tracy Dawson. I really enjoyed speaking with her. I love that I have a podcast where it gives me an excuse to sit down with somebody like her for an hour and a half and uh, shoot the shit and find out what's on our minds for that day. Because I think she um, had this idea, we talked afterwards and she's like, I thought we were gonna talk about the pilot that I saw, uh, sold or the, the projects that I'm working on. And sometimes it just doesn't go that way and you have to just sort of be open to where the conversation goes. And I like where it went. I thought it was really insightful. Follow her on Twitter and her handle is at Dawson Tracy. She's you know, she's writing up a storm, and I can't wait to see what her brain creates, because I think it's going to be fabulous. And while you're at it, why don't you give us a follow? We're on Instagram and Twitter, at Fire Department. And then there's, of course, the Facebook wall, and there's our website. I would love to know what you're reading these days. Do you have a book for the summer that you're like, I'm going to read the heck out of this book? Um, give it a share with us. Post it on our Facebook wall or on Twitter, and hashtag FirecrackerBooks. And um, let's start a little bit of an online book club. That'd be fun. Thanks so much for listening. Keep the comments coming. I so appreciate all your support. Make sure you share this and like it and subscribe. Thanks also to all the folks that tuned in for our Facebook live chat last Sunday. That was super fun. And I posted that on a, our um, Facebook wall. We do that the last Sunday of every month. So tune in last Sunday and uh, let's talk about what, what's jazzing you these days. Thanks again, you guys. Lovely, lovely to spend some time with you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Firecracker Department.